0: Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 7, let's read beginning in verse 1. And just just to set context here, if you're familiar with the history of the nation of Israel a little bit, you know that uh, God raises up Abraham as the father of the nation of Israel in the book of Genesis. By the end of the book of Genesis, you find 70 people that make up the nation of Israel traveling down to a place called Egypt because there's a famine in the land of Palestine, they go there. God's prophecy to them was, you'll be there for 400 years, okay? And then after 400 years, God raises up Moses to bring the people of Israel out of bondage, out of Egypt, which is called the book of Exodus. His purpose is to what? Bring them from the land of bondage and bring them into the land of promise, the land that flows with milk and honey. All right, the book of Deuteronomy is a letter, or, or if you will, a, a writing, a book that, that Moses writes. It's the teachings of Moses to the people of Israel as they prepare to enter into the promised land. So they're rescued from slavery in Egypt. They're moving into the promised land. And there are certain things that they need to know as they make that transition. And what I want to cover this morning is the truth that they need to know about God is that God is faithful. Okay, God is faithful. Let's begin reading in chapter 7, verse 1. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites, all perfectly pronounced, I'm sure, seven nations larger and stronger than you. And this is the key. He's going to take you into a land of people that you can't conquer. You will have to trust his faithfulness. Okay, and that's why Moses is writing here. Drop down then to verse 6. And it just talks about all the regulations in between, things that they should and shouldn't do, ways that God is seeking to protect their covenant relationship with Him. Verse 6. For you are a people holy to the Lord. You are His devoted possession. You are His bride. The Lord your God has chosen you. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, to be his people, his treasured possession. Verse 7. The Lord did not set his affection on you, because you were more numerous than the other peoples. If you go ahead to chapter 9, you'll also find God saying this. He didn't choose you, because you were more righteous than other people. Okay? So, So two thoughts kind of lay behind the scenes. God's faithfulness, His promise to the nation of Israel is not based on their size that they had good potential. And it is not based on their righteousness that, they're, that it's likely that they'll live good lives and be easy people for God to love. In fact, we know the opposite is true, don't we? He chose you because, He didn't choose you because you were more numerous than the other people, for you were the fewest of all people. Verse 8. But it was because the Lord loved you. And here's the key. Kept the oath that he swore to your forefathers. Okay, now the oath that was sworn to the forefathers was the oath given to Abraham. That from Abraham would come a nation, that nation would live in the land of Palestine, the land of Israel, and God's blessing would rest upon them. He loved you and he kept the oath that he swore to your fathers that, that he brought you with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. And that is just, he is exclusively himself God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love, his oath, his word, to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Okay, one preacher asked this question when he was talking about the faithfulness of God. He said this. He said, how many people do you know who do exactly what they say? Okay, how many people do you know who do exactly what they say? Stretch it out further. How many people do you know who do exactly what they say every single time? How many people do you know who do exactly what they say every time with such thoroughness and perfection that you never have to worry about what they say? How many people do exactly what they say in spite of circumstances, no matter how they feel every time, with such thoroughness and perfection so that you never have to worry about anything they say or do? Because you know if they say it, they will definitely do it without fail, without change, and without excuse. Okay? and You start, you start stretching out. At a certain point, I'm going to say, you know what? I think I'm a faithful friend. I think I'm somewhat reliable. Okay, but am I, am I reliable to that extent? Am I immune from circumstances? Am I immune from issues related to resources? The answer is absolutely not. So I can pledge myself to people and say, I will do this, but there are times that circumstances come up and I have to pick up the phone and say, you know what, I'm sorry, I can't. I thought I could do that, and I can't. And we live in a world that, that is filled with unfaithfulness, don't we? Think back to the last election, okay, and this is not meant to be partisan in any way, but just simply to say this, what was the struggle with the, with the electoral process, with the primaries and all of the, that, that goes into choosing and selecting and thinking through, what's the problem? You're all wondering who's lying, right? You, you don't know who you can trust, you don't know who's going to keep their word, it doesn't matter what name is over them in terms of their party, it doesn't matter, We have an inherent distrust, an inherent expectation of unfaithfulness on the part of people. We live in a world that is in many ways broken. Unfaithfulness is present in the context of marriage, it's uh, present in the context of politics, workplaces, Wall Street, bank, sports. It just just comes up over and over and over and over again. I noticed in this last... uh, Storm that we had, that New Jersey Central Power and Light has learned how to appear reliable. Okay, what did they do? They underpromised and overperformed. Your electric will be back on in two weeks, and when it came on, it back on in six days. What did you think? Okay, I'm, all right, I'm good. I can still read, so we're good. Okay, and when it came back in seven days, what did you think? You thought, man, Jersey Central, they're they're like people of their word. Okay, but is it true? Well, no, they're they're playing a game. Why? Because they have limited resources. They want to make promises. They want to do certain things. But they have limitations. So their faithfulness is limited by various things. we ask this question. Why is there so much unfaithfulness in the world that we live in? Why are people so untrustworthy? At one level, we can say this. Sin is present. Okay, people are sinners. They will fail to keep their word selfishness, they want what they want, I want what I want, and we'll do anything to get it. Sometimes there's the issue of forgetfulness. Just simply forget. Sometimes we overcommit. In a world of busyness, we we make so many commitments that we're not able to really completely and exactly fulfill any of the promises that we make. And then sometimes we run into the issue of limited resources, of time, of money, limited ability, circumstances that are beyond our control, right? Right? And so what happens? On a regular basis, we experience or we present some degree of unfaithfulness. It's just reality in a fallen world. That unfaithfulness, that lack of reliability causes pain and disappointment. It hurts people and changes them in negative ways. People become jaded. They become discouraged. The book of Proverbs says, Trust in an unfaithful man is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. How many of you have ever sprained your ankle? I remember in college, badly spraining my ankle. Stepped down over top, popped it out. Playing tennis. Okay, for years following that, there were times that I would simply find myself on the ground. My brothers or whoever else was with me, they'd be left i say, what? What happened? <laughs> okay. Well, I, I sprained my ankle years ago. It has become unreliable when it senses or anticipates a degree of pain, it gives out. And I find myself on the ground. I currently have a, what's called a cracked tooth. Don't know how bad it is yet, but here's what I know. I'm not chewing on the right side. Okay, why? Because a broken tooth, a tooth that is structurally damaged, is unfaithful, is untrue, is unreliable and causes pain. And so we live in a world where we, we love faithfulness. When we see it in people's lives, we praise it, we adore it, we honor it but it is a rare attribute. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man, who can find? I mean, many will say, yeah, I'm good for my word. I'll keep my word. I'm true to my word. But the book of Proverbs says, who can find a faithful man? The truth that I want to impress upon your minds this morning is this. God is faithful. Faithful. And that truth, as we begin to unpack it this morning, my hope is this, my prayer is this. That that truth about the faithfulness of God will prompt in your heart a deep and abiding trust in Him. Okay, that as you gaze upon His faithfulness, Psalm 37, 4, as you feed on His faithfulness, it will prompt in you a trust that is transformational in your daily life. I want us to look at three thoughts. The definition of faithfulness, pictures of faithfulness, and then the effect of faithfulness. Okay, so when we say God is faithful, okay, what do we mean? All right, and the word that's used for faithfulness in the Bible can can be spoken of in relationship to objects, things that are inanimate, things that don't move. And it can also be expressed in relationship to people. Okay, when when faithfulness talks about an object, it means something like this. It is steady and secure as a support or prop. Okay, it is steady, secure, reliable. You can lean on it and it'll hold your weight. There's a picture in the book of Proverbs that leaning on an unfaithful person is like leaning on a reed that shatters and pierces your hand. The idea is that the, the reed was unreliable as an object of trust, and therefore brought damage. Okay, so when it refers to objects, it's dealing with issues of steadiness and security. When it deals with people, it means someone who is utterly dependable, reliable, and trustworthy. Utterly. Okay, completely. It is part of their basic nature and being. In that sense, it describes an inner attitude, a commitment, that's God, and the conduct that that commitment produces. All right? It describes a person who fulfills all of their commitments and all of their obligations in all circumstances at all times. And it is this word for faithfulness that Moses in Deuteronomy 7-9 applies to God. And it's the first time, this fascinated me, this is the first time in the Old Testament that the word faithful is applied to God. And here it's applied to God as a, if in, in our context we want to say it's, his, it's a title because we know the name of the God is Yahweh or Jehovah, but the title for God that Moses puts upon him is, he is a faithful God. Why is Moses saying that? Because Israel has come out of the, or has come out of the land of Egypt under the power of God. God demonstrated phenomenal things. And the question is, is he going to do that again? When we get to the land of Palestine, will the God who delivered us there be the same? What is Moses saying? The God who brought you out is the faithful God. His actions are utterly consistent with the inner attitude that he has towards you. He is faithful. And what what is Moses saying in verse 9? What he's saying is this. Know therefore... That the Lord your God is God. And you notice there's redundancy. Jehovah God is your God. He is the faithful God. You can trust him. Faithfulness is, in this case, essential to his nature and character. God could, Moses could say of God, he is faithful. He exemplifies it. He demonstrates it. He amplifies it most clearly. Psalm 89 and verse 8 says this. Oh, Lord Almighty, who is like you? Your faithfulness surrounds you. Okay, it is the environment in which God lives. Faithfulness, always reliable. Psalm 36 and verse 5. Your love reaches to the heavens and your faithfulness, and you sing this in some songs, your faithfulness stretches to the skies. What is he saying? He's not encouraging us to measure it. He's encouraging us to understand how incredibly limitless it is. So when we talk about God being utterly reliable, it is the environment in which he lives, and that faithfulness of God, you you can't stretch it to a point where it will break. It is an unbreakable commitment, an unbreakable covenant and promise. Okay, why should we spend time defining God as faithful? Why is that important? Okay, A.W. Tozer said this, He said, what comes to your mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Okay, what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. If you believe that God is faithful, it will alter the trajectory and direction of your life. It will change your daily decisions. It will change how you respond to troubles if you believe that God is faithful. Is faithful. Here's what Jesus, or what the New Testament in Hebrew says about Jesus it says, Jesus Christ the same, yesterday, today, forever. He is immutable, unchanging, always faithful God. Now, what are the pictures of this faithfulness that we find in Scripture? Okay, if God is a God who has an inner attitude of loyalty to us, and that loyalty produces conduct that is faithful, what does it look like? How does Scripture illustrate the faithfulness of God? Okay, I want to give you three pictures, and because when we talk about attributes of God, we're 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 saying things like this: He is like. Okay, so over and over through Scripture, you'll find words that are used to describe what God is like. Okay, various, uh, if you will, pictures, that he is like a shepherd, he is like a father, he's like a king, he's like a judge, he's like a rock, he's like a fortress. What are all those pictures meant to do? They're meant to help us to get our arms around the greatness of the attributes of God. Things that are incomprehensible are, in a sense, brought into view for us. They're made clearer. Okay, so he is like, and I want you to look at just real quick, Three pictures of God's faithfulness that are pointed out in Scripture. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, the text that we're looking at, it says that God's faithfulness... Okay, Moses says he is the faithful God. How do you know that, Moses? Well, here's what he does. He keeps his covenant of love to a thousand generations. So if I want to understand what God's love is like, what is it like? It's like a contract. It's like an agreement. Now... We live in a world where if I say, well, God's love is like a contract, what do most of us say? A contract isn't worth what? The paper it's written on. Why is that? It's because of the person who puts their signature on the paper. Okay, the person who signs the contract, if they are not by nature committed, devoted, reliable, loyal, what happens? The contract is meet. You may have it. You may shake it and, and threaten with it. But it is meaningless to them. What does Moses say? God keeps his covenant. He is the faithful God keeping his covenant. That is that he remains true to it for how long? And this to me is a fascinating statement. Okay, notice what it says. He keeps his covenant to a thousand generations. So what is he saying to Israel? Here's what I want you to do. Take the promises of God for a thousand generations, count them. On year on, on, on generation 1001, God is no longer obligated. Is that what this is saying? Okay, no, it's very clear. The word thousand is used here to demonstrate that his loyalty to keep his covenant is limitless, he will never break his word. That amazes us and should astonish us. God's faithfulness to you is a faithfulness of commitment. The point is this we use contracts to protect ourselves from each other, right? The reason you sign a contract with someone in terms of work relationships, labor, whatever it is, the reason you sign a contract is why? Because people are prone to break their word. They're prone to forget what they promised. Okay, and so God writes a covenant with us not to protect us from His unfaithfulness, but He makes a covenant to assure us and to attract us in His direction. Why numbers 23 says this God is not a man that he should lie he is not this is fascinating to me he is not capable of lying now, i live in a world and a sphere of influence where people are are fully capable of misrepresenting and lying but god is not capable of that and his commitment to us is seen as a covenant loyal love and so his promises are precious to believers because they're backed by his character. He stands behind him. The God who Moses could say, he is, faith. he is the essence of faithfulness. He is the picture of faithfulness. You can rest in him and rely on him. In Deuteronomy 32, verses 3 and 4. If you want to, you can flip ahead there. And then I'm going to go to some of the verses that are on the sheet. Deuteronomy 32, verses 3 through 4. What is God's faithfulness like? Here's another picture. Moses, as he gets to the end of this letter, talking about the faithful God, he says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect. All his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, just and upright is he. Okay, so what's the next picture? God is like faithful in the sense of a contractual obligation. He is also faithful in the sense of a rock. And the picture of a rock that's used in Scripture is something that is unchanging and immovable. He is steady. He is reliable. It is an emblem of steadfastness. Sometimes companies will use a rock to picture what they're like, their fidelity, their faithfulness. Okay, And God uses a rock as an emblem, as a symbol of who He is. He doesn't move. He doesn't change. He is a secure refuge for His children. And also Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 17 to 21. Another time when God is called faithful. This, I think, is on the sheet that I gave you. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. If you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that day and night no longer come at their appointed time, then my covenant with David my servant and my covenant with the Levites who are priests ministering before me can be broken and and David will no longer have a descendant to reign on his throne. Okay, this is an amazing statement. Okay, what is God saying? My faithfulness is like the sun coming up in the morning and like the evening coming at night. Just as sure as darkness comes and daylight comes, So God is faithful. And what does God say? God uses that predictable cycle, that daily cycle of sunrise and sunset, of morning and evening, to picture what He is like. All right, There's a great theologian named Annie who sang a song, right? The sun will come up tomorrow. Right? Now, can we say this? Can we not say that the rising of the sun is probably the most dependable thing in your life? And would you not find it very troubling if you woke up tomorrow and the sun didn't rise? Okay, would that not be to you astonishing? Okay, what well, you might check is your address. All right, why? Because you might be living at some part of Alaska. Okay, but it, when I go to bed at night, I don't, I don't lay in bed and, and wonder. Boy, I wonder, wonder if the sun's going to come up tomorrow. Okay, It's like, no, you... You can can bank on that. It's going to happen. And night will come at the end of it. It just happens. And what is God saying? If you can break my covenant with day and night, with the cycle that I have put into place, then maybe I could fail my covenant to David. And what is he saying? Well, it's obvious. It's not even possible. God is that loyal. God is that faithful. All of these truths about God are meant to do what? They're meant to impress us. He, in relationship to contracts, utterly faithful. He is like a rock. He is predictable and faithful like the rising of the sun and the setting thereof. You can rest in him. You can trust him. And the question I want to ask you this morning, because we can talk through these truths about God, but here's the question. Does it amaze you? Do you do what Jeremiah did in the book of Lamentations when Israel is taken, driven into captivity, out of the land of promise? Jeremiah sees that happen. And what does he do? He says, it is because of the Lord's goodness that we are not consumed. And then what does he do? He exclaims in worship, God, great is your faithfulness. We deserved your judgment. You took us into judgment, but you saved a remnant. You're going to bring that remnant back. And on the throne, you're going to put the seed of David, which ultimately is a picture pointing forward to Christ. That God, in relation to to his promises, to provide redemption for his people, to to provide forgiveness, he is utterly reliable, like a rock, like morning and evening. He will be there, and he will fulfill and be faithful to his word. The question is, am I amazed? Am I amazed? What is the danger? The danger is this. We become apathetic, don't we? We know the truths about God. We could write down a list of truths about God. But do they amaze us? Phil Yancey reflected on a visit with he and his wife to Old Faithful in Yosemite National Park. He reflected on the rings of Japanese and German tourists that surrounded the geyser with their video cameras trained like weapons on the famous hole in the ground. A large digital clock stood behind the spot, predicting when 24 minutes, before, or pre- predicting 24 minutes before the next eruption. He says, my wife and I passed the countdown in the dining room of Old Faithful Inn overlooking the geyser. When the digital clock reached one minute, we along with all the other dinner guests left our seats and rushed to the windows to see the big wet event. I noticed immediately as if on signal, a crew of busboys and waiters descended on the tables to refill the water glasses, clear away dirty dishes. When the geyser went off, we tourists oohed and ahed and clicked our cameras and some spontaneously applauded. But glancing back over my shoulder, I saw saw that not even a single waiter or busboy, not even those who had finished their chores, looked out of the huge windows. Old Faithful. Had grown entirely too familiar and had lost its power to impress. But folks, is that not what happens to us at times? We say God is faithful, but the fact that he is faithful doesn't amaze us. Why? We live in a world of brokenness. So what do we need to do? Well, Psalm 37 4 says, "You need to feed on his faithfulness. You need to remind yourself that in a world where people break promises habitually, where there is disappointment and frustration at all levels, Jesus never fails. Let that truth amaze you. Let that truth astonish you. Let that truth excite you. In Psalm 89 verses 1 and 2, the psalmist says this. He says, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever." With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. So I will sing and I will declare your love stands firm forever. Love that you established. Your faithfulness in heaven itself. Okay, faithfulness seen in what? The cycle of the day. A faithfulness that the psalmist says, I will sing of this. I will declare this. Psalm 37 verse 3 calls us to do this. Feed on his faithfulness. Here's what I want to do for a couple minutes. I want you to think about the blessing of the faithfulness of God. That he is utterly reliable. That he never lets you down. Are there times that we wonder if he's let us down? Well, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. So why does God say these things? Because he wants to assure us that the apparent failures of God are in fact not failures. There are purposes that he and his Abundant wisdom is seeking to work out for your benefit, for your good, and for his glory. If you follow the direction of the psalmist, sing of his faithfulness, declare his faithfulness. To who? Well, not, I mean, you do to yourself, right? That's Psalm 43. What's the psalmist do? Psalm 42 and 43. He says, I was going through such discouragement and frustration. I was feeling like God was unfaithful, like God didn't care. And what does he do? He takes himself by the scruff of the neck and he says, hope in God. For I will yet praise Him. Why? Because things aren't what they appear to be. Okay, the the, the apparent unfaithfulnesses of God are not lacks of reliability on His part. There are times that they feel that way. There are times that they seem that way because we live in a, a difficult and fallen world where we experience all the troubles that are present. But what I want to encourage you to do this morning is think about the fact that God is a reliable support. He never lets go. That he is utterly, predictably faithful like the rising of the sun and the setting thereof. How will meditating on God's faithfulness affect you? Okay, how will it change you if you focus on his faithfulness? I have these verses on the sheet for you. First of all, <clears throat> in seasons of temptation and struggle, you can trust him to make a way out. First Corinthians 10 Verse 13 says this, it says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way up. That is his promise so that you can stand up under it. So that that trouble, that fear will not crush your faith. Okay, so the promise of God, number one, the effect of feeding on His faithfulness and seasons some temptation in your fight to be what He wants you to be. He is reliable in ensuring the possibility, the likelihood of success because we are not on our own. And the implication of that promise to me is very clear. He is there. He is there making a way out so that you don't have to fall under that circumstance. Secondly, 1 Peter 4, verses 16 and 19. Peter says, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name, the name Christian. So then, verse 19, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good, which is to say what? Don't let the pressure cause you to compromise. All right, suffer as a Christian. Suffer as one who is being reliable and faithful to God. Why? Because that's the way that he is to you. So when we feed on his faithfulness, what happens? It prompts our faithfulness. Okay, it encourages us to rest in and to trust in the Lord. One hymn writer said it this way. He said, judge not the Lord with feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind the frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take the cloud you so much dread, are rich with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Right? In the midst of whatever circumstance you're facing, where there is injustice, where there is unfair treatment, a lack of faithfulness in your marriage, in your workplace, in your relationships at school, you, you feel pressured and you want to you take things into your own hand. What does God say? Revel, uh, Romans chapter 12. He says, don't take revenge. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. He is faithful to that end also. All wrongs will be righted. Trust him. I love what happens at the end of the book of Revelation. Chapter 19, verse 11. It says, there comes a white horse. And this is at the end of what? At the end of a book that talks all about the suffering of the saints, the suffering of believers. And in the end of the book, what happens? A white horse comes riding in with a man upon it, and on his thigh is written two words. Do you remember what they are? Faithful and true. True. Faithful to what? To support you and to strengthen you, no matter what circumstance you're in. True to His promise that He is coming again. And folks, sometimes we we need to step back and read verses like that again. Who is He? He is faithful and true in the midst of your suffering. He's going to come through. He will not abandon you, and He will not leave you. In seasons of failure, when you morally Fail. First John one nine says this. It says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to pure us from, purify us from what all unrighteousness. And folks, here's what feed on his faithfulness. Remember what God is like. When you fail, don't let it go long. Don't let sin burrow in. Don't let Satan take your sin and condemn you. Take it to God. Confess it. Own it before Him. He is faithful and just. True to His Word. He'll forgive you. You don't have to live under a burden of guilt. You don't have to live under this this fear of failure and its consequences. Because God in His rich mercy and grace wants to forgive you. That's why Lamentations 3.23 says His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He loved a nation like Israel, folks. And if you read through their story in the Old Testament, it's not pretty. I'm reading through the book of Ezekiel and my devotions. It is not a pretty picture. But it is a picture of an amazing God in difficult circumstances that cause discouragement and doubt about the goodness and faithfulness of God. And you wonder, I wonder how does God feel when I doubt him, when I question him? Second Timothy two, verse thirteen. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. Why? He can't, you can deny Him. He can't deny Himself. He is that utterly and completely reliable. And He calls us to build our lives onto Him. One writer said this. He said, when you can't hold on to God, God holds on to you. And Jesus said to His disciples, I'm not going to leave you like orphans. End of Matthew chapter 28, what does He say? Lo, I am with you always. Even to the end of the age, which is what? Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11. He comes. Who is he? He is faithful and true. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is unaffected by circumstance. He has never faced a situation where his resources were inadequate. He is that faithful. And he is that amazingly true. God forgives repentant sinners. And in circumstances that discourage. God calls you to trust in His faithfulness. Not in yours, but in His. And He does that so that you can fight against discouragement. And lastly, this thought. In your battle to be holy. To be more like Jesus. Okay, to to, to get from where you are to where God wants you to be. To begin to experience progress. Trust in the faithfulness of God. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 8 and 9. Here's what it says. He, God will keep you, that is, hold you stationary and strong. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is, what? Faithful. Okay, now, to what end is this faithfulness applied? So that you will be blameless On the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that you will be pure. Cleansed by His blood. He is faithful. What He has started in you. What He has committed to you in your life. He is going to finish. And sometimes we find that unbelievable. Why? Because we wouldn't complete what's happening in us. We're more prone to give up on ourselves. Than God is prone to give up on us. Because He in no way. Is shaken by the struggles that you have. He burrows in. He is committed to you. In the book of Isaiah, there's an illustration that's used to talk about God's covenant love for his people. And in that text, it says this. God's talking about a a, a mother nursing her child. Here's what God says. God says, a nursing mother may forget her child. And what is God saying? God's saying, that is so highly and unbelievably unlikely. But it happens, right? May. May. What does God say? I will never forget you. What is he doing? He, he said, God is like a nursing mother. What is a nursing mother like? Just unbelievable picture of selflessness and devotion. That's what it is, right? And God says, now think of this. Can a nursing mother forget a nursing child? What's the answer? And for every nursing mom, probably fell asleep. <laughs> okay. All right. right? happens. It happens. Sometimes you hear of it happening in horrific ways. You know what God says? God says, if your mom loved you and was affectionate towards you, because that is normative in our world, then when you think about my faithfulness and love, I want you to extrapolate that it is further, it is greater, and it is stronger. Than any love that you and I have ever known. This morning, I want to encourage you in this way. God is faithful. That's a name that Moses gives to him in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9. The God who called you is faithful. He is dependable. He is reliable. Trust him. Maybe today you've come into the house of God. And you sense today a need for Jesus. And you might be saying in your heart, you know what? I, I sense today that I need to trust the faithfulness of Christ. I need to trust in what he accomplished at the cross of Calvary. I need to trust that his blood will cleanse me from all of my sin. Here's what Satan's going to whisper to you. Satan's going to whisper, you know what? Yes, for some people he does that, but you're too far gone. Your sin is too deep. It's too tragic. It's too consistent. And he won't forgive. And the promise I want to remind you of in this Christmas season is this. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which is lost. And his promise to everyone who believes is this. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And this morning, if you've never come to a place in your life where you have trusted in the faithful promises of God through his son, Jesus Christ, about the possibility of forgiveness and life transformation, I want to encourage you this morning. Come to him. Trust him. He is utterly consistent with his promises when he says he'll forgive you, he will. And when he says he'll rescue you from your sin, he will. And when he says he'll give you the hope of heaven, he will. His promises are yes and amen. For he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So the question I want to leave you with this morning is this. Will you feed on his faithfulness and be amazed? Will you be stunned, surprised, shocked by the degree of God's faithfulness and by the difference that that should make in every day of our lives? When we get up and watch the sun rise in the morning, when we watch it go down at night, what is it a reminder of? It is a reminder of uh, the God that we serve is like that. He is that dependable. He is that utterly and completely reliable. He will never abandon you as his child. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for your word.